0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Chicago has a lead problem, and the city is not alone. Notably, there's Flint, Michigan, and Washington, D.C., but the list also includes towns in Wisconsin and Maryland. Lead continues to pollute Chicago's water through pipes, but that's not it. It contaminates much of our soil as well, and researchers are working to find ways to decrease the presence of lead in our communities. So with us now is one of them who's found an interesting method that could be a part of the solution. Kevin Erickson is Senior Manager of Sustainable Agriculture at the School of Environmental Sustainability at Loyola University. Welcome, Kevin. Hey,
1: thanks, Sasha. Thanks for having me on today.
0: So before we get into your research, I want you to just give us a sense of just how big of an issue lead pollution is in this city.
1: Sure. Uh, It's a great question. First of all, we know that uh, lead in water is a big issue. Uh, Chicago has one of the worst issues for having uh, lead water pipes. Uh, There are plans to replace those. I think we would all argue that we'd love to see that done faster. So that's that's a huge primary issue. My focus has also been on soil lead. Um, which has lots of of health implications regarding ingestion, inhalation of, of soil dust, um, but also consuming crops that may uptake different uh, things like heavy metals. And in, in my case, I specifically studied lead in soils.
0: Yeah. So is lead poisoning possible then through exposure to contaminated soil?
1: It absolutely is. Um, And that can be through uh, touching the soil or or consuming the soil that's on the product itself. For example, a root crop like carrots may have quite a bit of soil that's actually adhering to the root itself. Uh, Then you have the issue of uptake into the plant itself. And so those two factors are are really big and, and have significant health implications if we're producing food in these sort of contaminated soils.
0: How does Chicago compare to other cities?
1: It's a good question. I think um, all urban areas have a history of of uh, more concentration of lead in our soils. To compare Chicago to cities outside of our area or even rural areas, we have about uh, approximately 10 times the concentration. And there was a study that was um, published recently with a group led by Dr. Margino from University of Illinois uh, that concluded that a lot of the parkways and, and um, backyards have as much as 10 times the amount of lead. Why
0: is there so much here in Chicago? Good
1: question. Well, we have a long history of using lead in a lot of products. So gasoline, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead was in gasoline through the 70s. Um, also in paint, we know that there's a lot of issues with paint removal and exposure to lead and paint. Um and then also with the water pipes um, that ha- that were used through the 80s, yeah, um, that's one of the biggest factors for lead in this city.
0: And so that we truly understand the numbers here, how much lead is too much in soil?
1: Good question. Uh, the EPA um, and the state of Illinois um, uh, have sort of set the threshold at 400 parts per million for lead. And that is based on the exposure rates to children in bare playground areas. So once we get into the the issue of of uh food and consumption um 400 is still used uh widely across the states there are some states that even suggest 100 Uh, would be a significant health factor. And so it's my opinion and suggestion that if if anyone is testing above 100 ppm, to consider uh, methods or treatments to either removing the soil or maybe treating the soil to make the lead less bioavailable to the plant and also to the human.
0: And I want to make sure we don't miss this point, Kevin. Not all neighborhoods have the same amount of lead yeah. in the soil, right? Can you just explain that?
1: That's true. Yeah, I, we have a, a long history of industrial activity, you know, particularly on this on the southeast side. Um, and w- there are maps that have been published that look at concentrations of leads uh, in soils. Now, we'd love to see a much more comprehensive map out there, and it takes a lot of time and cost to actually measure these things. Um,
0: is there work being done? There, Yeah, there absolutely there?
1: is. There, There's uh, some uh, researchers that are working on this in addition to myself. Um, and I think part of the issue is just is really informing people about these risks and letting them know what possible methods or treatments are possible for them. In my case, I was studying uh, soils that we actually pulled from a, a lot in Chicago, mm-hmm. and those soils, um, were two to five times what were considered safe rates. Um, and we're talking about um, this, this particular uh, resident had young children at home. Um, and they were prohibiting their children and dog from using the yard space based on uh, the levels of lead. So we see this as a real issue, not just in food, but um, just an exposure to children. And the ability and safety to be able to play in your backyard is really important.
0: Yeah, what were the effects that the family was feeling? Health what, effects.
1: Well, I think they, they caught it early um, okay. and, and had, um, luckily, they got their soil tested and, and were sort of aware of this lead issue um, before they were growing crops. So okay. um, it was part of moving into a home. Um, and luckily, we sort of um, helped them address the issue and, 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 th- and actually developed a plan for their space uh, to mitigate exposure levels for yeah. lead.
0: So, Kevin, if we do have contaminated soil... What are the solutions? Like, can we just sure. replace the soil?
1: Yeah, you can. That's going to be the most expensive option. Okay. Um, Talk me through that. Sure. So, first of all, lead is going to accumulate in the top uh couple inches of the soil. So, we're not talking about really deep levels. Um, but uh, you can add, change the pH of the soil. So, at higher pHs above 7, which we call alkaline soils. Uh lead is less uh, um soluble, meaning it's less likely to get into the plant uh We can think about adding compost um which will bind to the the lead material and what we call complexation um We can also think about soil cover and mulch and limiting the the ability for dust and splashing of the soil to kick up onto the plants, mm. which we know is a really significant thing so if you're if you're growing food in bare areas. Um, just that action of erosion of dust and and wind and water can actually contaminate the plant from the outside. So using a a, a mulch would be very important. But I can tell you that um, there are uh, studies out there that have used Chicago soils, highly contaminated soils. And one interesting thing is that a lot of fruits are generally going to have less uh, lead accumulation. So growing something like a tomato would, would... um, a general rule of thumb, be safer than a leafy crop or a, a root crop like a carrot or potato, for example.
0: Interesting. So you are a manager of the Sustainable Agriculture Program at Loyola, as I mentioned. So where does the research part tie into your role?
1: Good question. Well, first of all, I think I have the coolest job in Chicago. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I, no, I, I have the coolest job yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, it's true. Okay. okay, I'll be number two. <laughs> um, I have the great privilege of working in the School of Environmental Sustainability at Loyola University, and, and this is a, a group of wonderful students, faculty, and staff uh, led by Nancy Tuckman, who is a great visionary in this work. Um, and my work is in food systems and sustainable agriculture. It's about training the next generation of food system leaders. Um, and while our department is is really great at offering and implementing programs and practices towards sustainability on our campus, we also want to be really hands-on in how we teach and educate students. And we want to feel soil, and we want to grow plants. We want to eat plants, not just read about them in books. And so that's a huge part of the School of Environmental Sustainability, and and one of the fun aspects that I get to work in is really a lot of hands-on engagement, what we call transformative education. Um, at Loyola. So my focus area being in food systems and sustainable agriculture, I'm teaching students about hydroponics. We have hydroponic systems, we have aquaponic systems that include fish and plants together. Uh, we're growing mushrooms, lots of different strains of edible mushrooms. We grow uh, things outdoors, microgreens. Wow. We're really trying to, to to do as much as we can and really empower this new generation of young people to have the tools to tackle sustainable food Sounds systems. Sounds super hands-on. That's the that's the way it that's should be. Idea.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to get more into your cool research because you're doing something we find here at Team Reset very interesting, right? You are growing hemp in lead-contaminated soil. So can you clarify, is there a difference between hemp and cannabis? Before I go to Google because yes. I'm curious. <laughs>
1: there is a difference now. Uh, it, the difference is associated with THC Delta 9. So in what we call cannabis, which has a psychoactive component largely associated with THC-Delta-9 or tetrahydrocannabinol, the Delta-9 variety, um, if it has less than 0.3% THC-Delta-9, that would be considered a hemp product if it has more than 0.3% THC delta 9 that would be considered a cannabis product okay um, so it's so, in
0: the amount of THC
1: correct okay now at 0.3% i would argue it's it's nowhere close to being psychoactive for the user so um we're talking very, very low, low rates of um, THC-Delta-9 um, for hemp flower. So we're seeing a CBD market. Um, there's there's a fiber market. There's textiles associated with hemp. But largely, this is the same plant. It's just expressing um, a cannabinoid uh, a little bit differently as far as the quantity.
0: Yeah, as you're studying the roots of the, the hemp plant, what are you trying to find specifically?
1: Good question. So... I've spent about three years studying this plant. It's a fascinating plant, just number one. Uh, Number two, in the U.S. specifically, the legality around cannabis and hemp have really prohibited research. So after the 2018 Farm Bill sort of classified the legality around hemp versus cannabis, it really opened the doors to being able to do research. And one of the things when you look up <clears throat> previous research of cannabis or hemp, is you'll find that it has an affinity for uptaking lead and cadmium and other metals. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you could see this as an advantage because this could potentially remove metals from the soil. However, if you're selling these products or consuming or eating them, uh, you're not going to want heavy metals in, in your product. So my focus has been on growing crops in contaminated soils with lead And finding ways to limit the lead uptake and what we call translocation, which is the movement of lead throughout the plant. Interesting. And so that's been the focus of my work uh, for this particular research app.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Lead pollutes our city's water and soil. So what can we do to change that? Now, as we mentioned earlier, replacing soil is just way too expensive. So researchers are looking for ways to mitigate lead levels in soil through different plants. Our guest is Karen, Kevin Erickson of the, the School of Environmental Sustainability at Loyola University, and he's using a plant that might be surprising, which is cannabis. So, Kevin, how new is this kind of research?
1: It's it's very new as far as the U.S. is concerned. Yeah. There, there is some, um, some work coming out of Asia and, and Europe. Um, that they have had um, more lax laws around the use of it for research,
0: and as the idea is the idea here to take lead out of the soil completely, is that what you're trying to do?
1: So that could be one approach with cannabis. Um, it, it would be more recommended to probably um, do that for fiber production, um, p- perhaps for fuel, um, and grow, to grow it very densely. But if we're talking about using the product uh inhaling it or consuming it in any way um we would want to make sure that the lead levels are below about 1 ppm which is the standard set mm-hmm. so um we really uh my work has been really making sure that uh and looking at the uptake qualities and things that might affect uptake in the soil like pH or organic matter or in my case I was using a phosphorus treatment something oh. that a lot of people use as a as a common household fertilizer what's really interesting about phosphorus is that it can bind with lead in the soil and form a new compound called pyromorphite. And pyromorphite is actually non-bioavailable to the plant. So in this strategy, we're actually immobilizing the lead in the soil so that it's not available to get into the plant structure. Mm. And that was a huge part of my research and and one of the good breakthroughs that we had uh, because cannabis in this way or hemp hasn't been studied for, for very long, yeah, and so we kind of need to have a crop by crop approach uh, for how um, they're going to be uh, growing in these contaminated soils. And in Chicago, we know that this is an issue that will continue to be here. We can't just wave a magic wand and the and the lead contaminated soils will disappear. Yeah, and so my focus is let's work with what we have. Um, And if we live in a contaminated world, let's live, let's find ways and solutions to work with that rather than a a rather far-fetched scenario, which is let's just dig it all out and export it out and And bring in new soil. Yeah, Yeah.
0: which is also, as we said, costs a lot of money. Um, So, Kevin, get into what testing lead in soil uh, on our properties actually looks like. You talked earlier about that example with the, the family in the southeast side and how much it costs to do something like that.
1: Good question. So a common approach for testing for lead would be to take multiple samples across your property uh, and then to combine those samples to form one homogenized sample that you would then send into a testing lab. Uh, a typical test might cost about $50. And you can, I would even advise getting multiple uh, heavy metal tests done, not just lead. There's other metals out there like cadmium, arsenic, and chromium. Mm-hmm um copper for example besides besides the lead uh there are several labs that do that in and around chicago so it shouldn't be too hard to find labs that do that um if you're finding that your soils are over 100 ppm i would probably take note of that and think about some strategies rather uh, perhaps raising ph using compost or organic matter, uh, making sure phosphorus levels are suitable. Yeah. Those would be some really good strategies. And I think before growing anything, um, not just food production, but also just interacting with your space, you kind of need to know what you're interacting with. Um, and if you just buy a home and you're not sure, yeah. uh, there are examples out there where lead levels in, in backyards are, you know, uh, multiple times, um, in the thousands of PBMs, and and a lot of residents just are not aware of this. I have no
0: idea. Well, thank you for that. Kevin Erickson is Senior Manager of Sustainable Agriculture at the School of Environmental Sustainability at Loyola University. Very interesting.
1: Thank you very much.